Welcome to the Countdown Podcast. We're going to review Black Panther Wakanda Forever for you. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. Strange with them for this brand new MCU film. Mm -hmm. This one is the 30th film that's in a- the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Feels like there's more than that, but okay. Mm. Yeah, all right. That's what Wikipedia tells me. This one is directed again by Ryan Coogler, returning from his duties in the first film and co-written by he and Joe Robert Cole. Mm. It is, of course, based on... Marvel Comics, Black Panther and Stars, Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, Denai Gurria, Winston Duke, Florence Kasumba, Dominic Thorne, Michaela Cole, Tenok Huata, oh, good. Martin Freeman, and Angela Bassett. It's 161 minutes long, which gives new meaning to an appropriately apt title, Black Kanda Wakanda Forever, <laughs> for <laughs> sure. It would have been great if you didn't fumble. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along, the budget, Wayne. What is it? Oh, it's a Marvel film and it's the big one. So uh, Black Panther did so incredibly well. Um, let's say what? 170? $250 million. Shit. And as of time of recording, which is only taking into account Thursday, Friday, and maybe not even Saturday, it's already made $150 million. This is going to be an absolute smash. I'm not surprised. Hit. Didn't Black Panther like do crazy, crazy business? And like, because with certain subsections, someone was telling me the other day, Black Panther was, I think, one of the first and only movies that played in Saudi Arabia because they don't allow movies there. Is that right? Yeah, in a lot of places, someone can correct me if this is wrong, but because Black Panther had no sex, this, that, whatever, for some reason it played really well over there and everyone went to see it. Black Panther smashed so many more records than you can possibly. Yeah, know. I mean, there's probably like an aspect of in, in the, the domestic American North American box office. It came not that far away from from vague memory of like Endgame. Yeah, it's just that internationally Endgame did so much more than Black Panther. Did, I think so. there's a subset of the audience that went to see it multiple times, like perhaps the African American audience yeah. and so on. You know, and that's what gave it all those numbers. Even before we talk plot, I think that's a really important thing to emphasise. Obviously, neither you nor I are mm. African nor African American, and so this is an incredibly important film in terms of representation. It changed the way that I think every studio looked at. Minority population the first film, and this is the continuation of that. So it's an incredibly important film, and I think it's so fantastic that people who aren't normally represented get to see themselves in starring roles. Yeah, and, and on, like almost purely. Yeah, so, yeah. almost with the with the like obvious exception, the odd whitey here and yes. there, but nothing else. <laughs> Barely any. So that's fantastic. Want to really acknowledge that, but obviously we can't really speak to that because that's not our experience. So, Wayne, what is the plot of Black Panther? Get it right eventually. Colon Wakanda forever. <laughs> okay, so in this film, Queen Ramonda, Shuri, Mbaku, Okoye, and the Dora Milaje fight to protect their nation from intervening world powers in the wake of King T'Challa's death. Uh, as the Wakandans strive to embrace their next chapter, all the heroes need to band together uh, with the help of Nakia uh, and Everett Ross, who is Martin Freeman, to forge this new path for the kingdom of Wakanda. That is essentially the broad spectrum of this film. It is a wake of a film in me, mm. to me. And, yeah, it's basically what happens now. It, almost impossible, I thought, to make this film. Because once your lead, Chadwick Boseman, sadly passes on, mm-hmm. obviously that changes whatever they were going to do involving him. And I remember hearing that Wakanda Forever was going to be about the people of Wakanda. I'm like, that sounds like fucking National Geographic. What is that? <laughs> and so that's what it sounds like to me. I'm like, that can't be the thing. So them doing this, I'm interested, Paul, in what you think. Well, I'm interested in what we both will think. But yes. here's what the wider critics think, first of all. On Rotten Tomatoes, this has an approval rating of 84% with an average score of 7.2 out of 10 based on 307 reviews. Huge. On Metacritic, has a weighted score of 67 out of 100 based on 61 critics. And... 
on CinemaScore, which polls people as they walk out of the screenings, has an A on the A plus to F scale. So there you are. It's mm. tempting to do very, very well. And they are projecting it will make at least $175 million just in the North America's in its opening weekend. Wow. Okay. All right. So in terms of my re- reaction, first Please, of all, I think Wakanda Forever is one of the most different yes. superhero, big budget, tentpole films you could ever imagine seeing, if I'm really honest. And I think it's the most respectful and moving tribute you could have to the loss of a star and the loss of a main character that I could really imagine. Absolutely. And I think that sets this film apart from it's not the like rest any of the MCU yep. and the rest of superhero films. You know, the MCU's taken swipes at these sort of broad kind of topics of grief and trauma and processing like with the first act of Avengers Endgame, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. But you knew that was a, was a fake. You knew that they weren't playing for keeps in that particular film. This film... They have set themselves a path. We're not recasting King T'Challa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We are remaining respectful to the legacy of Chadwick Boseman and we're going to move in a different direction. And so this film is playing for keeps and it's all the better for it. Here's my big controversial hot take then. Go ahead. If it was T'Challa was here, this would be a completely different movie. Oh, comp- not even that same So thing. it's not even worth comparing them. Nope. But if I took that aspect out, and we'll talk obviously get into it, right into it about the grief and how mm-hmm. they... they show that journey and the processing and the powerful performances and the incredible set pieces around all of that stuff. But I don't think as a superhero film beyond that, it's particularly great. No. Uh, that's an interesting point. Now, I would say this as well. So you've got, you say, this is definitely a different, some would say a mature way of doing Marvel films. Yeah. I don't think it's mature insofar as it's trying to tell a more, I don't know, more nuanced kind of story. What it is, is because the film had to be had to honor the tragedy yeah. of, of the passing and it had to pay homage to the achievements of not only the first film but the actor himself. This movie was always going to be somber in tone or at least yep. in undertone. Yep. So you're, it's, there's very few action sequences in this fucking film. And it's incredibly and it's long. so long, yeah. all right? So I find that like the opening and closing sequences of it will probably make your heart ache, all right? Which it's supposed to do and does so relatively well. That opening is among the best things we've ever seen in the MCU. Oh, dude. Like, just because... And we're for, not going to talk in details. No, yeah, we won't talk about it, but yes. Spoilers, but yeah, well, on the other side of spoilers, we will. But I just want to say the first 10 minutes, not even seven minutes, six minutes of this film pack an absolute punch Absolutely to the gut. Absolutely they do, because you don't and know how they were going to do it. my cinema, yeah. dead silence. Yeah. It was packed. Really? I saw it. I saw it. I did see Gold Class are not packed in the traditional mm-hmm. sense of 400 people. Yeah. But in the 60 or 70 people that Gold Class, there was not a murmur. There was just stunned silence. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's what I, I do like. We'll talk about what they did, but yes, I do like that as well. But at 2 hours and 41 minutes, this is probably one of the longest Marvel films I've ever come across. So I would say that I was, I was weepy, but I was also weary. By like, the end? Yeah. yeah. Because it's like... Nice description. This moves you, but my, you had to really power through and get there. And I wonder if a film that has such a somber tone for all of it, essentially, needs to be quite so long. And I know we say this all the time. I know we do. And I feel a little bit like a broken record. I think Ryan Coogler had a lot to do in this movie. He had to... It's almost an impossible task. Yeah, he I'll had to juggle... Obviously, the main thing is the loss of T'Challa. Yep. And then the impact on Wakanda and its characters and then the MCU going forward. He has to establish some plot points, I think, for Phase 5, which again we'll save for spoilers. Mm-hmm. And then he's also got to do the traditional superhero, big budget, action sequences, CGI-infused stuff. And there's just too much. It's too much to sh- juggle all those balls perfectly. Yep. 
and some of it has to suffer. And I guess we'll talk about what aspects of that we think. Absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, it's not sort of a, a tell to say to you that if you're not going to go full action on a movie like this, and you want it to be remotely sort of meaningful and sort of somber, then you that's the thing that has to go. The spectacle has to go, Paul. So I think that... But there is spectacle. There are moments of it. But there are moments only, whereas Marvel is like every 10 pages as, a, as an action yeah, scene yeah. usually. Yep. And this ain't that at all. So I think that the, one of the things that I noticed was that, like, okay, so Letitia Wright, Shuri. I think she had, as an actress, had to step up in a way that a lot of people never had to because she was cast in the first Black Panther as a side character. Yeah. And now her emotional kind of state is the thing that underpins almost every scene and kind of most of the movie. Yes. Because you're, she's sort of the avatar for you feeling she's grief. She's very good. And she's really, really good at it. So she had to, oh my God, now she's the focus. Uh, at least her, her journey is the focus of the movie. I think she's only bettered by Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett is the fucking shit. Who is absolutely. I know we make this joke every so often mm. about someone or other in Hollywood. Mm. You know, Tom Cruise's and Brad Pitt's. Yep. She is an age-defying succubus. Oh, yeah. There's no question in my mind that she sacrifices animals to retain her looks <laughs> wow it's just or, or humans maybe i don't know no <laughs> what i'm saying is she she played tina buddy turner mm-hmm. in 1992 or some shit in a film called what's love got to do with it i think that's what it was called mm-hmm. 30 years later she could still do the same fucking role black don't crack paul you know how it is i, I know black doesn't crack but <laughs> she is the most extreme version no no of she, but she's when she takes her. off her headdress i know she's the white hair the white head then you see it a little only bit. then yes. and that was a, a choice yes right and it's like oh shit because like exactly she had the headdress on it was exactly the fucking same obviously not just about how she looks but i'm just like she's so commanding she's so oh, regal and she's ripped as fuck yeah so it's like, God, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so absolutely. Letitia Wright's incredible and, as you say, fantastic. But I think Angela Bassett, and she's a bit over the top, but as required but for her, from her role. She needed she to be it. commanding. Yeah. She needed to be this. She's in the new UN, you know, all this sort of stuff. Yep. She had that scene to, was yeah, awesome. That was really great. And that's why it was kind of cool. So I think... Um, and they're not alone. No one's bad in this movie. I would say the, there's a new character that gets introduced that, again, without spoilers was a little bit unnecessary and kind of superfluous to the plot and that annoys me. Again, another thing that Kugler had to juggle. That was the, yeah, you're right. That's to set up that's that yes, future proofing and so on. I and, get it. and that character is most definitely a a Marvel character that mm-hmm. has been around for a while. Um, I don't know how that one worked for me either, to be honest with you. I'm like, well, okay. It probably she was there to 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 bring up the action a bit. Let's face it. Yeah, you know, yeah. To, to, still. Have a, to have an element there, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, there were a couple of surprise, also uh, not surprise, but like you know, characters that turn up in here, which I really, really like. I think um, maybe maybe we've we've said enough. I think the action's not. There's not enough of you're saying. I think some of it's very ropey CG. Like this film runs the gamut from great CG to really, really? shitty CG in a couple of places. I Interesting. thought. And I think the final again a little bit like Black Panther. If you think back to that, the biggest criticism of that film is it doesn't stick the action beat landing. It's a great fight and it's a great villain in Black the Panther. original Black Panther. This one's the same problem. I, for mine, it's very choppily edited. It's almost incomprehensible at times. The, the action is the, not as good or up to the standard I think the MCU has set. The action was, I wouldn't say it's cursory, but what it is, is like, oh, oh, there's two or three moments like that. And then the rest of it, you're trying to follow the, the story. Yep. You're trying to follow the mood. And it is And I was long. at my most bored during the final action sequence, which is not a good thing. Really? Yeah, I was literally battling to stay awake by that point. Because at that stage, you've been fucking at it for like two and a half hours. So yeah. you know, and yeah. I'd been, I'd eaten a fucking pizza and I'd eaten <laughs> a chocolate a Sunday because I was in gold class. And well, I will tell you that it does 
Not, I won't say drag at the end, but after the ending, it, oh, there's, it there's takes a while to Return give... of the King levels. Oh, yeah, there's Return of the King going on here. <laughs> that's right. So, yes. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's do it. Let's go. That's our general thoughts. There we are. We absolutely, we are recommending you go and see Black Panda, Panther. Black Panda! I want to see that movie, Marvel. <laughs> Make that happen. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Go and see it at the cinema on the biggest one that you can and yeah. enjoy the spectacle and enjoy, enjoy is the wrong word, but feel the pathos of the loss of T'Challa. I think anybody who's lost someone close in their life mm. will be touched by this film and that's its strength. And I do recommend you actually see the first one if you can beforehand because I can tell you that when Lupita Nyong'o turned up, I was like, what did she do in the last one again? I don't know why. I've only seen Black Panther once. So I've seen it a couple of times, so yeah, I was well aware. I was like, that was this, fine. Is that, a, is that his girlfriend? Was that a it was his I love just, interest. Yeah, I, I found out later, but I was like, oh, I should remember. But yes, I, that's uh, me though. All right, cool. That's, here we are. Let's get into spoilers on the side of Jack. You can't handle the truth. And the truth is that Wakanda Forever is going to be a massive, massive hit. and You should get on the watching train. And let's get into some of these spoilers we've been alluding to, Wayne, now. So Iron... Heart? Ironheart is a character which is in the comics. Which feels like a really cheap, shitty way of replacing <sighs> Tony Stark. It is a shitty way because... And it's sort of like... Um, I, I, I call it the... Um, remember in the Transformers movie, Optimus Prime died? And then they had this other character called Rodimus Prime that sort of just caught the, the fucking Matrix of Leadership and became sort of this ass version of him. Uh, that's would anyone be surprised is. if I said no? No, well, that's what happened here, okay, Paul? Because what's happened is... She's a, she's a genius level student of some description, and that's great. And MIT, yeah. MIT, you know, and she's probably because remember, when, like I think it's Iron Man three or two, whichever one. Tony Stark just gave grants to all the MIT students, saying, "Whatever you're working on right now, I'm giving you money to do it." I reckon she was one of those, and hence she could build the Stark technology kind of fucking. She had all those plans and shit that she was making a little Iron Man mm-hmm. suit out of. That's all cool, but she ain't no Tony Stark, and that's fine, but. To make Iron Heart is sort of shit, if you ask me. Like, well, she's, even a, she's a subject of a future Disney Plus streaming series. Yes, so, so that's this what's is going their on. backdoor pilot to her, if you will, introduction yeah, yeah. to her, which is fine because I don't mind the character; she's nice and likable yeah, enough. But it's just I don't know. It felt like after she was the fulcrum to get. Okay, so the the big reveal in this film, which we talked around without giving any spoilers, was a yay us was the introduction of the MCU equivalent of Atlantis. Yes. And which they of, can't call Atlantis. No. Even though the it, comics calls it that. Oh, they do they? Yes. I did not know N- that. Namor, is, Namor is, is the Atlantis guy, but then, yeah, it's a long story. But no, what do they call it now? They call it t- t- um, something. Telecan. Telecan. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, Namor, who's clearly fucking Aquaman, but in this version is a, is a mutant who has wings on his feet, which yeah. is fucking stupid. Okay, so ironically... The actual Marvel, because it used to be a cartoon, Submariner he was called. Right? Okay, right. His name is Namor, but it's Namor, whatever. And it's like, he's the Submariner and he flew with wings on his feet. And he had, a, I don't know if he had a trident, he had some kind of stuff, right? And he could fly, but he was the only one who could fly. Also, he didn't quite look like this guy. This guy was like, he looked like Spock, the actual character. He had this ears, but he was very white looking and kind of different. They've so made... Gone, yeah, very sort of Latin American or... Mesoamerican. Yes, they've made this guy look, um, I guess... Yucatan, so I guess Mayan, like Mayan, um, right? Mayan, yeah, Mayan, yeah, yeah. Mayan, Mayan. So yeah, and that's uh, that's all fine. I can tell you that because he's the villain, right? Yes, the villain slash sensibly, yeah, the villain who comes who comes around. Well, the, the interesting thing, if if there is an interesting thing that's set up for the future films, is they're almost positioning the United States to be the villains. Yes. Oh, they've done this for a while. I well, think. they're really moving to even though it's the French who send the mercenaries out, and they're the ones that get paraded into the UN. And well, I, for my for my just on that note, so the cool bit about the beginning, which is the the you know the the raid on the on the fucking 
whatever that facility was. Vibranium. That had vibranium, yep. yeah. And then it turns out the, the Dolores Milaje go fuck them all up because they knew they were coming. Obviously, that happened. And then they, that obviously happened before the UN meeting where they parade them in and say, hey, France, check out your commandos. Fuck you, right? Yep. There was no comeuppance on that. There was just like, Francis, just, like, Francis, Francis like, looking just dropped chagrined. down. I'm like, hey, you, you fuckers tried to actually like invade us and we're not going to kill all of you. And then she did say that that's... You know, me being nice about that, consider that an act of kindness. You do it again, I cut you in the balls. So that was all interesting. But the um the the back to Namor, he was not likable because he went and fucking killed all the Wakandans or whatever or invaded them or bloodlessly killed them all or whatever, right? And he that was supposed to be a warning. It's like I killed your fucking queen. Boom, boom, boom. And at the end she just kind of talks him around. And then at the very, very end, you see that Namor says, actually, this is a tactical play. By bending the knee to her, I'm actually being the only underwater thing that I'm has... I'm creating a shield yes. versus us. And right. when the inevitable war against the surface happens, they'll bear the brunt of it. Right. Now, my bigger issue with these, whatever they're called, let's say Telokanians. Okay, yeah. I don't think whatever that the description here anywhere, there's, there's nothing about their official title, but okay, whatever, it's irrelevant. Yeah, my issue with them is that, okay, so they are supposed to be like, we have so many more warriors than you have blades of grass, we're an actual threat, we're this, we're that. Yet they use porpoises and whales to get around, and to me, all of their, they don't have the technological advancements that Wakanda has. So I'm sitting there going, I don't know if I'm quite feeling that these guys are the threat you want me to think they are, Marvel, because all it is is they have a lot of them, Also, we're told. But Wakanda is the, is the technological powerhouse of the planet, and for some reason, whenever they get attacked, for some reason Wakanda only has like four planes in the air. You know they've got an army, bro. You know they've got a fucking fleet. You know it's Wakanda. So I was like, mm, I think that didn't wash quite so well with me. Yeah. Like Wakanda doesn't use porpoises or fucking, I don't know, animals. So it was weird. I think weird. what made sense to me was Wakanda was very secure, hiding slash being protected by its technologically technological walls and whatever. No one could get through except... The Teleconians yes, can. can just swim under which scared the fuck out of them. That was that was kind of cool. To go all the way back to the start of the film, I thought the the sequence where they're introduced as a threat when they're taking down the research vessel that was cool, and they, they had singing. the siren song, and yeah. people just step off to their death, and that was all great. Lake Bell and yeah, I was supposed to see the her. other dude. They presumably she dies, although you know it seems you never know the MCU. You don't because we never saw her body. So yeah, that that was kind of interesting. I thought then. So the position that Namor puts Shuri into saying, well, I will destroy you mm-hmm. unless you join with us against the battle of the Sur- and I'll kill this girl, basically. Yeah. Which was, that's the fulcrum point of Ironheart. That's how you know he's a bad guy. Yeah. So he's not a, he's not a good bloke when he stretches the imagination. But he's like, he's, you, you're trying to throw in with him. Well, a little bit, but they, they just really do this really ham-fisted expository scene where showing... Yeah, when he went to bury his mum and, and he comes yeah, up. Yeah, that was just and stuck just, in there. Oh, stuck in there because here's these, I guess, Spanish conquistadors, conquistadors and, like and colonists, yeah, whipping yeah. and enslaving his mother's yeah. people. Then he goes and fucks on them all. And so he fucks on them all and then we're just going to snap cut away from that because yeah. it's an MC. And I'm that like, felt Ugh. like a bolted on scene. That was Because all really of a sudden it was like, cut, boom. Awkward and, and I mean, you needed that exposition about him, but it was, it, I don't know. It, in it, many different ways it, it could tough. have been done better, but then arguably it's like, well, the film's already long enough. Yeah, I so. know. The, the quickest way to do that is probably the best way to do that. I was going to say, though, speaking of the beginning of the film, having T'Challa die not from some huge cataclysmic event like an explosion or a fight or this and that having him die from an illness 
which they've never explained. I'm sure they we'll come back around at some no, point. No, they say mystery illness because they don't want to refer too heavily to the actual condition that killed the actor. No, I, I think, think they're going to eventually come around at someone, someone bad, and the MCU will claim responsibility. I reckon for that. they're too. They would be too ballsy for that actually. Because like, I think the reason they made it like a, a, an illness as a like it's something you can. As, a, as an audience, you can relate to, because you've lost loved ones to illnesses. Yeah. They, they also to make the point of Shuri saying, if you had to come to me earlier, which is kind of a, not, no one could have saved Chadwick Boseman. No, but, but he kept it a secret. He kept it a secret. Yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah. And that's, and that's mean, that great one shot I was talking about at the very start of the film. Was dude, just following it's so her long. around as she's desperately trying to find a solution with all the tech and whatever. And then mum walks out and then we get our cut and she says, your, your brother, the king has died. Yeah. And that's that. And then we go to the silent... And the repurposed Marvel studios with all Chadwick Boseman, all Chadwick Boseman, all spread throughout, and it's just dead silent. Yeah. And that was a bit in the cinema where everyone was dead. That's silent That's so too. cool, right? Yeah. And that's the other thing about this uh, show. You, the, well, I remember seeing the the trailer for this, the first trailer, and I actually thought to myself, "That's the most beautiful trailer I've ever seen." Because they were doing it was all like it was yeah, it was obviously looking. It was this very heartfelt slow mo dancing, and that's the key thing about the Wakanda. They're they're, they're um everyone else's mourning. Garb is black. Yeah, There's just white. white yeah. You know, and it's like this is I cool. I think that's the same for Japanese too. Actually. Is that so? Yeah. It's very cool. I think it just looked really cool. Uh, so that's really nice. Yeah. So then we get the the scenes of his funeral and the like, and, mm-hmm. and again, very very powerful, and and the way that it's kind of that celebration at the same time as as the mourning thereof, in much the same way that our wakes will. Start with the somber and the, yep. and the sad kind of acknowledgement of passing, and then there's getting people together to have drinks and food and and acknowledge what that person's left behind and the impact yep. that they've had on us and their event and all the rest of that stuff. So Absolutely. I enjoyed all of that. I enjoyed that opening sequence and I'm thinking by 40 minutes in, I'm like, this movie's great. Yeah. And then the first, the best special effect of the whole film was the water grenades. When yeah. That went off on that chase on the bridge and, yep. it, and it flipped. I, I thought that they went through the bridge or something. I knew it was a water grenade. Yeah, Shuri, yeah. It flipped Shuri off the bike. Yeah, and, that was and, good. And you know, crashed the car and mm. all that. My like, damn, that looked amazing. All of that was good. And of course it was Alexis because they sponsored the shit out of this Oh, show. did they? Right, yeah. didn't, didn't notice that. <laughs> Same with the first one. And then from there, that's where the film just grinds to a halt and we get the whole background of Namor and, and everything else and, and the people there. and the That is the dead zone of the film. Yes. Even though it's, it's a expository exposition city or whatever and it needs to be probably, but it went for a long time. And the flip side of that, I guess, to be really fair, is that we don't get this very quick solution to there being no Black Panther because the, the flower I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, Shuri eventually, based on the gift that he's given, which yes. seemed like some dubious logic it to was, me. She, but anyway, whatever. Yeah. Then she can recreate it through science, and then she takes the the herb, and then she goes into the state, and then we see Killmonger as this great big surprise cameo. I had no idea about. No, I didn't either. And to be honest with you, when she was going into her whatever the enlightenment, whatever like that thing. You see there's someone behind Sonny sitting on that throne and she walks towards it and I was like, Oh no, they are not gonna see GI Sat Chadwick Boseman. Oh no right, no. And they turn on the killmonger, like, oh shit, well there you go. Cause yeah, so that was actually a good moment. It's interesting though, because like they, that that afterlife isn't an actual physical afterlife. It's more your perception of what happens to you when you take the herb or whatever. Like it's 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 very personal to you, which is why she's like, Why am I seeing him? Why am I seeing my brother? Why am I seeing my dad? You, you know, you need to see. Exactly. So it was an interesting idea. Although then the film kind of cheats where she's about to kill Namor and, and then we, then we see Ramonda come out of it. I'm like, okay, well, when's that been a thing? Well, now this is the worst part of, of a thing like the MCU where you, everything means something later down the line. Mm-hmm. They're just building worlds. You very rarely can introduce someone and kill them straight away. Very rarely. Sometimes, but not often. This Namor guy, it would be cool if she just killed him. 
but except, except what it would that mean fit for the, her as the Black Panther? Yes, it would not fit because she has to show mercy. She has to be a good guy. If she just killed the bad guy, then she will have given in to her vengeance or whatever yep. streak, which is what why she saw Michael B. Joy. Exactly. Yes. So none of that would have worked, and I knew he wasn't going to die, at least by her hand. So that was okay. He speared her through with the thing. Well, the, just the heavy implication was if she had killed him at that point in time, all of her friends would have died because the telecourt, whatever we're calling Merman, them, yeah. the, the, the underwater dwelling yep. people were winning the battle against their her friends, and which, which also surprised me because I thought when we left the battle, they were all winning their individual battles and suddenly we cut back and they, that's what I'm saying, the it's editing. because they, they did the big explosion under the under the boat thing and then they could all, they obviously had a plan B where they just went, boom, and now let's mount it and kill everyone. Uh, Again, only the people on that boat would have been killed. Yeah. But they were the important characters like mm-hmm. Mbaku and shit like that. And by the way, Mbaku, he's the new king, right? I don't know. It was hard to understand end, what that says, meant. This is challenge day. I challenge and there's no one to challenge him. So I think the idea here is that Shuri is the new Black Panther. But she doesn't want to be not a king. queen. Queen, yeah. yeah. So Umbaku, and that's fine. I quite like Winston Duke. Yeah, um, he's very, very personable, very charismatic. Yeah. Um, what did you think then of Julia Louis Dreyfus? Oh, uh, what's her name? Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. That uh, was a reveal to me that she and Ross were married. I didn't know it either. In fact, was that in the film? Because I had to look it up. I didn't yeah, know. I literally mentioned it. Literally okay, I love the fact. A couple of times it's referencing like, oh, like when we were married and he's like, ah, oh, awkward. So that's why when she turned up, she's flirting with him and yep. oh, you've been working out. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll turn up and hop on your Peloton. <laughs> so yep. I was like, that's pretty good stuff. Actually, I do love her in this. She's clearly the new Thunderbolt Ross. Of sorts. She's actually the head of CIA in this movie. That's what her position is. Yeah, well, she's the, the one who brings the Thunderbolts together. Yes. and But then that's the thing, though, because Harrison Ford has been cast as Thunderbolt Ross in the, in the Thunderbolt Who's movie. Thunderbolt Ross? Who's Thunderbolt Is that? William Hurt. William Hurt. Okay. William Hurt. Yeah, that guy. But yeah, well, I don't understand how that works, but my understanding from reading, listening to other podcasts and know much more about these things than we mm. do was saying that her character is kind of yeah, the, brings, what, brings the, what's the, the Nick Fury of the Thunderbolts. Yes. Uh, what, I can't remember what that, that group of people is called. Yeah, the Thunderbolts. Yeah, Thunderbolts. It's, it's got like fucking so it's the D- Zemo it's the and shit like that. DC equivalent of Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Yeah, yep. exactly. So, uh, but that, I, I loved the fact that, so some, I've read some reviews where people are saying that, you know, oh, all these other characters in there, it's just making it longer and longer. I'm like, we could have used a couple of diversions. Like, I, I don't know. I liked those two in there. And Martin Freeman... I don't think they were really necessary. To I don't think they were necessary, but then you could argue Ironheart wasn't either. But, you know, it's like... No, I do. And I do, do argue you? Ironheart wasn't yeah. necessary. Other than the reason why Shuri just didn't go, fuck you, and go... Again, she's there for an action scene. So she can fly into the sky and fucking do shit and then blow up motherfuckers and have a whole thing. No, she's there for more than that, but she's there as an introduction to her character. Barely more that's, than that. That's, yeah, the, that's, that's the primary focus. Yeah. So when I she mean, now turns up on her own TV show, people go, oh, that's the one from Wakanda Forever. Exactly. So I like the fact that these TV shows and the you can, you know, like it's they've done it in a way where it's like if you hadn't seen Captain America and the Winter Soldier or whatever, right? You'd see there and go, Oh, who's this? Oh, it's Elaine from Seinfeld. Oh, what does she do? You know, you wouldn't necessarily have to know that she was the one who who groomed the old, the, the new Captain America and all those guns. So, what's his name? A US uh, agent, yeah, fucking Kurt Russell's son, yep. yeah, right, right. So, I, I don't mind all of that stuff, I think it's quite cool. All so, right, look, anything else you want to say about like I said, for me, the action just wasn't great. But, only, but yeah. we come back around again to it being a very poignant emotional ending, which I thought was cool. I think it was brave. Basically, if you're Ryan Coogler and you had to do this thing, it's very it's a really hard bird to land. Yeah, like I said, juggling a lot of pieces. But primarily this job, this film's job was to mourn and grieve the loss of Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa. I think the performances all around that were stellar. Because I honestly think, and everything you've ever read about this man was he was much loved great guy yeah and I even saw a story the other day I can't remember who it was it was someone who worked with him on 12 Bridges I want to say maybe Sienna Miller yeah 
can't remember who it was mm-hmm. her in the film, mm-hmm. but she was saying uh, the pay discrepancy between Chadwick Boseman and her, and, in, and indeed some of the other sort of characters at her level was so great, and she was as in he was paid less or more, way more. He was paid way more. Yeah, and he was a producer on the film, and she basically said to him, "This isn't right," and he goes, "100 percent agree with you," and he gave away like five million dollars of his paycheck to give to her. My God, that's something you never hear. Something like that. And look, um, the numbers are out and whatever else, but she just said, no one in this town would have done that except him. That's, yeah, that's Keanu Reeves' level of benevolence right there. I was thinking about this the other day. When he, his star rose right when, presumably, he knew that he was fighting yep. this illness. And I've seen all those videos of him, you know, hiding behind the standees and his and people come up and they do a recording about how much Black Panther meant to them. Then he turns up and he and they go, <gasps> And he comes from, and and like he had to do all of that, knowing all of this. Can you imagine, like, at the presumed high point of your life as an actor, this horrible thing happens to you, and it's like fuck. And he had to just battle through it, you know, and say nothing in silence. So it is like it's quite a guy. Very emotional, yeah, because of all that, because of this this legend really that's been built around him. Absolutely, not just after his, even before his death. Like I said, there was there's all these stories about how great a guy and his nobility. I think is the best way of this Mm. this really desirable kind of charismatic regalness that he had to this, be brought to this character. Apparently that's just him, you know, yeah. in real life. He was just that kind of guy. Yeah, so cool. So, well, that actually brings us to the end credit sequence, which you yes, should mention. we should. Which is that uh, Lupi, I mean, sorry, uh, Shuri goes and she meets, you know, Lupi Nyong'o's character to do her final thing where she actually burns her, her funeral garb and that's to let him go and her crying and stuff actually it actually it was very moving mm-hmm. and then of course you find out that Chadwick I mean Black Panther Chala had a son with Nakia yep. with Nakia and sh- and his name is really T'Challa he didn't go to the work funeral or whatever because they were keeping it a secret and did mum know did, did mum didn't know because yes. she said I was about to say that, and then fucking Nemo turned up so she didn't get to tell her that oh by the way there's a fucking son so that's obviously for the future they can time jump to a new T'Challa so there will be a new T'Challa a new Black Panther it doesn't it won't necessarily be Shuri going forward well I, well that they've but given, that's what they do they've given themselves an out but how I mean you've got to jump for a long way for it to be this kid. Yeah, a it's, long way. it's going to be like phase seven if that if it's yeah. still happening. So, so that, that's not an out for now. And Letitia Wright has been contentious with some of her political views recently. So I think has maybe she? there's a backup sort of plan here in case things go, in case she doesn't rein herself They could in. just write in one time jump or one pseudo snap that puts him forward and he comes back in time as an adult. They could just well, they do could, that. They, they could, could absolutely do that. Do that. That's, that is 100% true. Yeah. So look, overall, I think this film is good. I think it's probably the best thing that's come out of phase four, which... Really? Yeah, See, because it was so powerful emotionally. But if I took that out, this film is just meh. No, it's true. This is If you're looking for another Marvel action film, you will be disappointed. But maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. I will tell you this. As I saw the film, I'm like, I understand why they needed to go this way. But I've had a better time in other movies. Yeah, fair enough. So for that, to that end, my score Please. is 68. Oh, well, <laughs> I was going to say, I was... Low balling three and a half stars, so I might have 67, 68 too. So yeah. uh, let's let's keep it the same. 68 for there me as well for Black Panther, Colin, Wakanda Forever. Get out and see it and let us know what you thought of this 30th film in the MCU. You can do so via email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at the Countdown PC. Check out thecountdownpodcast.com for links to everything else in terms of our socials. And uh, that's it for us today. Word. Thank you so much for joining us for this big review of the biggest film in the second half of the year. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been The Soundboard. Chadwick Boys. Yeah, Chad. What up, dog? Thanks very much. See you later. See you.